Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, good morning, all of our campuses, all of you watching online, all of us here, you're looking good today. Can you believe it's October? Uh, Texas, it doesn't feel like October, but hey, we're glad that you're here. Hey, before I dive into the message, very excited about this series, by the way. Um, Brave Conference, all you ladies, uh, November 3rd, Friday night. Yeah, Man, I'm just telling you, I know it's a busy season. I know uh, you, have, you have busy lives, but I'm just telling you it'd be worth it. Uh, invite a friend, invite a family member, someone, maybe if you're watching online, you get a, gather some people in your home, but uh, it's going to be worth it. Lisa Harper, our, uh, she's awesome. She's awesome. She'll be with us that weekend, actually. Um, you're, you're not going to want to miss it. I promise you that. So ladies, sign up for that November 3rd, Friday night, one night event. It's always, it's always packed out great. So uh, I love that you're uh, going to be there. All right. Uh, today, starting a brand new series called Jesus-centered. I don't know if you've ever thought about what is at the center of your life. Um, there, there could be many things, and I think in different seasons, it feels like it can change. And I, I don't want to hope, uh, I'm hopeful to help us kind of rethink what is at the core of who we are. And, and maybe a better way to say that is who is at the core of who we really are. And, and it's true for your life, and it's true for churches. There are different things that churches can put at the center of the church uh, rather than Jesus. And there are things about our lives that we can put at the center of our lives rather than Jesus. A few examples for the church, maybe denominational-centered. Maybe there's a, just a, a real center on hey, this is who we are, this is the tribe we're a part of, we're proud of this, 150 years, or whatever it is. Some of us are denomination-centered as churches. Some of us are maybe um, political-centered. And when those seasons come around, we become very, very involved and very, very uh, centered around politics. And I believe that's a mistake, just like nothing wrong with denominations, nothing wrong with politics necessarily. It's just that, that, that can't be at the center of, of our church. Another one is rules. Rules may be at the center of our church. And I was kind of raised in a church where this kind of had a, a big part of, of who we were in that you follow the rules. And if you follow the rules, you're in. If you don't follow the rules, you're out. And I, I think that a Jesus-centered approach allows for people to, to, uh, to come on the journey. That's what Jesus did when he asked his disciples to follow him. That's what he did when he asked Matthew to follow him, uh, the tax collector, and his friends, and Zacchaeus, and prostitutes, and all those kinds of people that the religious leaders did not want him to associate with, but those are the very ones he allowed on the journey. And when you're rule centers, nobody rule center, nobody else is on the journey. It's just it's just us four no more type of thing. Maybe it's doctrine that's at the center of a church. Maybe it's people that are at the center of the church. In other words, we we cater to a certain group of people and, and we gotta keep them happy. And we gotta make sure that they're right. You know, as a, a church like ours who really 
uh, people matter to God, lost people matter to God, this can be at the center of a church, and that is a distraction in the sense of who should be at the center. That should be Jesus. Or maybe it's money. Maybe you've been at a church where money was at the center, and it's all we talked about. It's, it's all we, 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 we thought about. It's, it's the, it was the center, or it's the center of our church. And I'm just saying, that, and there's many other things, but Jesus should be at the center of our church. Amen. And everything flows from Jesus. Nothing wrong, again, with denominations or, or, or politics or, or doctrine. Or you want to have right doctrine, but Jesus needs to be at the center, and then everything can flow out of that. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. His righteousness is Jesus. Seek first the kingdom and Jesus, and everything falls into place. Now, the church is one thing, but it's our lives that there are many things that become the center of our lives. Maybe self-centered. Maybe you are self-centered, and, and you probably don't know it. You probably don't realize it. I don't really realize it sometimes when I'm self-centered, but it's all about you. Life is a movie, and it's all about you. You're the main character. And, and it's, in, in reality, that's really not the case. It's a distraction. Maybe you're family-centered. And I think this is a huge one for our area, that family is at the center. We, we, we might even say that with our mouths. We may even say family is at the center of who we are. And I'm just saying, that's a mistake. Maybe it's career that's at the center. Or, or maybe it's money that's at the center. Or maybe some kind of an addiction that's at the center of your life. Or maybe it's relationships that are at the center of your lives or your dream-centered, or your goal-centered, and it should be our lives Jesus-centered. Now, it's one thing to say that. It's one thing for me to teach that. It's another thing to live that. Jesus at the center is easier said than done. I think the question, if I'm you, if I'm, at, if I'm just sitting there listening to this talk and going, okay, well, how does that really happen? Because I think most of us that are believers would say, yeah, there are times when I'm self-centered. Or there's times when I'm politically centered. Or there's times when I am dream-centered or goal-centered or career-centered or money-centered. So how do I get Jesus at the center of my life? And I'm glad you asked that question. Here's where we're going to go in the series, I believe. Now, I don't want to make it so, you know, so easy that it's like, okay, this is, I already knew this, because many of you today, you might say, well, I already knew this all stuff, John. Well, I, again, how many understand it's one thing to know something, it's another thing to live something. And I think it's, it's much harder for me to live this out than it is for me to teach this. So I am with you on the journey, but over the next few weeks, here's where we're going on this uh, journey in the series, Jesus Centered. Today, we're going to talk about a Jesus-centered belief. I think that's where it starts. Then what we believe should affect how we live, Jesus-centered living. That's next week. And then Jesus-centered belief and, and living helps us uh, be on a Jesus-centered mission. In other words, the purpose of our lives is not our job. It's not our family. It's not our uh, life. It is Jesus and his mission in what we do. Nothing wrong with the job. Nothing wrong with family. Nothing wrong with money. But when that's at the center, Jesus is a second seat or a fourth seat or whatever. And I'm just saying that, no, you seek the kingdom first and his righteousness. And then all the things, all the places you're going to live and what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear and all the things we worry about in life. It's Jesus. These three things, 
If we can just come in alignment with the Lord on these three things, on our belief and our living, we're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount big time, and our mission. Then we become Jesus-centered people. So that's, that's the outline for the series. Now let's talk about a, a Jesus-centered belief. And, and when I say belief, there are some synonyms that we could use, okay? Trust or follow could be synonyms that I would use for belief. In other words, I believe in Jesus. I trust in Jesus. I follow Jesus. So that's the context of where we're going. Now, we're going to go to a passage. So here's where we're going in in this message. Two questions, two passages. The first passage, I want you to put yourself in first century Israel on the Sea of Galilee in Capernaum. I want you to imagine yourself sitting there on a on a bench or on a picnic blanket and and Jesus is there at this teaching building it's called the synagogue and you are listening to this man whom you've heard much about he has worked miracles he is an incre- he's taught like no other rabbi that they have ever heard he speaks with authority. He th- speaks with truth. There's, there's something about this man. There's no doubt about it. He's different than anybody else. And obviously understanding that they're not, they're not understanding he's the son of God. They're just saying, man, this is a rabbi that is, wow, he's working miracles. This is crazy. Okay, I want you to picture yourself having come to the meeting, excited to hear this teacher, excited to hear this presentation of the law and his take on the law, and then you hear this. My first question, okay, then, then the scripture. My first question is this. Do you believe in who Jesus is and in his cross and resurrection? Okay, so that's, the, now I know many of you say, yep, I, do, I believe that. Go on. Hold on. I want you to let that sink in just for a second. Do you really believe in who Jesus is and in his cross and resurrection? Okay, so, so keep that question in mind. You're at the synagogue in Capernaum, and you're listening to the most popular teacher and rabbi of the day. And here's what he says in John 6. Let's read. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Speaking of the children of Israel with Moses in the wilderness, anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. A little weird. Husbands and wives are looking at each other going, what? Stay tuned. And this bread, which I will offer to, so, so the world may live, is my flesh. Then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat, they asked. So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. How many are leaving at this point? No, seriously, 
I mean, if I'm sitting there listening to this, I'm going, it, is, does anybody else uncomfortable? Right? Let's read on. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise that person at the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and so he just he goes he goes down deeper. He just keeps he, he just keeps going. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that, now we look at this 2,000 years later and we understand, well, hopefully I'll, I'll explain what he meant, but we understand what he means. Right then, you can understand in just a minute what, what people do. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but, but will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. Many of his disciples says, this is very hard to understand. That's an understatement, right? How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? And the answer is yes. Yes, this is weird. Why would you teach that? Then what will we, you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? Speaking of his ascension. The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Now, that little line right there, if you're in first century Jewish synagogue in Capernaum, in the Middle East, this is all that you have lived for, human effort. In other words, you keep the rules. I'm going to do what the law says, and that's how I'm made right with God. And then this rabbi who says very weird things, cannibalism and vampirism, Seriously, and they're just like, okay, um, and now you're saying human effort accomplishes nothing? And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but some of you do not believe me, for Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Another, re another understanding of how Jesus let people come on the journey even though he knew they wouldn't believe, even though he knew they would betray. He let them come on the journey. It wasn't a rule-centered, it wasn't a doctrine-centered necessarily, it was a Jesus-centered, hey, come follow me, and I know you're going to have questions, and I know you're going to have doubts, and I know it's going to be challenging, but I want you to follow me. Then he said, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples, listen, turned away and deserted him. A lot of people that were following Jesus, not just, not just the twelve. A lot of people were following Jesus. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? And I'm just going to say, it doesn't say this in, this in the passage, but I'm going to say some of them probably were going, yeah, I might. I don't understand this. You, you're incredible. I've watched some things, but this, I don't understand. I don't know that if I can, I don't know if I can buy into that. And then Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we knew, know you are the Holy One of God. There had to be this understand, spiritual understanding 
spiritual revelation of who Jesus really was. So once again, let me ask you the question after reading this passage. Do you believe? Put that on the screen. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Do you believe in who Jesus is and his cross and resurrection? I want you to I mean, just imagine that you're listening to this and it's a very hard teaching. Now, we understand what Jesus was talking about. He was going to offer his body, his flesh, as a sacrifice, sinless sacrifice, the one that we could not provide. We could not live the life that we were called to live. So there had to be a sacrifice. Well, Jesus would become that life that lived the life that we couldn't live. And then he would shed his blood so that we could be forgiven, so that, so that our sins would be washed away. Now, that's what he meant by flesh and blood. If you eat of my flesh and drink, that, he wasn't talking about literally eating Jesus. He was talking about you receive, you believe, you believe in what and who I am and what I am going to do on the cross and through the resurrection. You eat that flesh and you drink that blood. Do you believe in who Jesus is and in his cross and resurrection? So who is Jesus? We're going to do a series about this next, next year leading up to Easter, but let me just give you a few bullet points. Virgin birth born of a virgin. He's all God and man. He is God and man. He lived a sinless life. He gave us a sacrifice, or he was the sacrifice on the cross, and then he rose from the dead, resurrection. This, I think that sometimes I feel like we don't really understand what we're signing up for when we say we believe. In other words, at the end of a service, maybe in all your life you've heard, if you were raised at a Baptist church, you heard just as I am, and people had an opportunity to respond to the gospel, respond to Jesus. Maybe you grew up in another church where you became baptized, or maybe you raised your hand, or, or maybe you came to the front, whatever the case is. That, that you, I, I just wonder sometimes if we really understand what we were signing up for, that who Jesus is. I really believe a Jesus-centered life begins with understanding who Jesus is and then what he's done. So I think it's important that we answer that question eyes wide open, understanding who Jesus is. I'm hoping that this is the clearest gospel presentation that I've ever given to a lot of us who were maybe raised in church but not necessarily sure what it really means to believe in Jesus. I want you to think about that question for a minute. Jesus-centered belief is really signing up for who Jesus is and what he did on the cross and through his resurrection. It's all of it. Do you believe? Starting a Jesus-centered life starts, I believe, right here. You believe. We believe. Now, the second question that I have is, are you a follower of Jesus? Now, I know I might get emails on this, and that's okay, but I do believe that this is where it gets a little tricky living out and theologically speaking, because I believe with all of my heart that if you believe in Jesus— 
you put your faith, in other words, you, a virgin birth, uh, he's God, he's man, he's sinless, sacrifice on the cross, resurrection. That's what makes you right with God and nothing else. It is not Jesus plus you or Jesus plus uh, the church or Jesus plus communion or Jesus plus baptism or Jesus plus, it's Jesus. Amen. That's the gospel. That's why it's called good news, by the way. There's nothing that you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do to deserve it. It is a free gift. Following Jesus is where it gets harder. Because I think you would agree. How many, since you came to Jesus, in other words, you believe. So the first question, you still, even after hearing what I said, you still would say, I believe. Okay, so after you believed, how many have, after you believed, been a little self-centered at times? Raise your hand. Okay, good. If you haven't raised your hand, you are a liar. <laughs> and so you need to repent and come to Jesus again. Okay. We become money-centered, we become family-centered, we become all kinds of centers in our lives. After you believed. So, the second part of a Jesus-centered life, now you can still believe and, uh, and, and have at times self-centered life, money-centered life, whatever, career-centered life. You can, you, you can believe and, and do those things, but I'm talking about a Jesus-centered life. What does it take to have a Jesus-centered life? It's not just belief. It's actually, am I a follower of Jesus? Luke 9, 23. Here's what Jesus says. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own life or give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but are yourself lost or destroyed? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Again, Jesus makes it very clear, very clear what it means to follow him. There's a belief that we come to the table, and, and I just believe in a progressive work of sanctification. So there is a lifelong journey of becoming like Jesus, becoming transformed, the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, producing fruit, transforming our lives into the image of Jesus. But that's not instantaneously in the sense that we're all of a sudden perfect. That is not the case. There is a journey. So because of that journey, believing is one thing, following is another. And that's the way I look at it in, in my theological understanding of, of Jesus-centered living is believe and follow. Believe and follow. It doesn't always work out that way. And many of us have lived our lives in just belief. And we really do believe. But it has not taken effect in our lives. And the reason I say that is because during the week, we live all kinds of ways, distracted to say the least, maybe even sinful, maybe even unwise, 
and all kinds of things during the week. But because we have a cultural, let me call it this, cultural Christianity in which we were raised in it, my, my grandpappy, my mom pappy, my mom and dad, we were raised in the holler and we always went to church and that's just my culture. And I'm not saying you're not a believer. I'm just wondering if we're, and I'm just asking this of myself, are we always, are we really following Jesus what does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, I'm glad you asked that too, because he gives us a bullet list. Are you a follower of Jesus? What does that mean? That means give up your own way. It's not your way. There is a surrender that's involved. A not only surrender to belief, surrender to, hey, this is what you've done. This is who you are. It is a surrender of my way. And how many know that's very difficult because I am self-centered, you're self-centered. We are other things centered other than Jesus. And when we want to really follow Jesus, there's a surrender. There is a give up your own way that's attached to if you really want to be my followers. Take up your cross daily. That is a dying to ourselves. Paul says that I die daily. In other words, those me-centered, self-centered, career-centered, money-centered, family-centered, whatever-centered, we die to that. We work hard at pulling that out of the center and putting Jesus at the center, truly following him. And I think in our culture, in North Dallas, there is a lot, many, many people, if you ask in the mall, if you ask at the restaurant, hey, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus. I believe in God. Are you following Jesus? There would be a question. There would be like, what? And I'm not judging us. I'm just saying that I really do think that there's a lot of people who believe. There's not a lot of people who follow. And that's why Christianity sometimes has a bad name. Because we say we believe, but yet at work we cheat people. We say we believe, but we treat people like trash. We say we believe, but we lie. We say, what we, we, we say we believe, but we're unkind, and we're cruel, and we're mean, and we're mean-spirited, and we're judgmental. We say that we believe, but yet following Jesus is surrendering our own way, taking up our cross daily, not afraid to lose our life. In other words, we're not living it for me. It's not self-centered living, it's Jesus-centered living. And I know this is hard. I know this is not an easy gospel. It's not a, it's not a like, hey, just believe in, and, and that, that is the gospel. But if you want Jesus at the center of your life, if you wanna be a follower of Jesus, there, there is surrender and dying and, and I, if I lose everything, we're not afraid in America, at least at this point, to, to share our faith. We're not afraid to stand up for Jesus because we know we're not going to get imprisoned. We're not going to get killed or shot or whatever. But can I tell you, in many parts of the, of the world, if you stand up for Jesus, we have, I have some friends in our church from Pakistan. And right now, a couple weeks ago, we were having a conversation in the lobby saying, hey, please pray for our people. They are being persecuted. 
lies about them burning the Quran, and then now everybody's mad and they're burning the churches and they're killing people and they're imprisoning people. It, we don't have that, so it's really hard for us to understand what it means to not be afraid to lose our lives. We may get there at some point, but right now it's hard for us to understand, but that's what it takes to follow Jesus. All the disciples gave their lives for the sake of the, of the, of the gospel of Jesus, and they're not ashamed of Jesus. This is, to me, Jesus-centered living, having Jesus at the center, it, it goes far beyond a plaque on the wall across around our neck. It, it, Jesus-centered living is really believing in who Jesus said he was. Let me, let me put it on the screen, actually, like this. Jesus-centered belief is more than saying a prayer, getting baptized, or joining a church. Jesus-centered living, or Jesus-centered belief, next one, is a complete trust in who he is and then choosing daily to follow him. Jesus-centered belief. I not only believe in who you are, that's important, that's the first step, that is how you are, and I are made right with God. But being a disciple, being a follower of Jesus is surrendering our own way, dying to ourselves, not afraid of losing our job, our lives, our money. It's actually not being ashamed of Jesus. It's actually living, following Jesus. So I think that the two questions, let me put them on the screen. Two questions. I don't know who's back there, but I'm gonna come get you. All right, two questions. Number one, do you believe in who Jesus is and his cross and resurrection? And now let me stop here just for a second and, and I think that maybe you're here today watching online or at a, at a campus and you've not settled this. There is no way to make Jesus the center of your life without believing in who he is and what he's done. Now, if you're not ready for that, I'm glad you're here and I want you on the journey. Your questions, your doubts, your, your challenges, you know, whatever, we're, we're glad that you're here. And like Jesus, we invite you on the journey. But maybe you're here today and you've been in church for a long, long time, but you've never really settled this. I believe it's hard. It's a hard teaching. Eat of my flesh, drink of my blood. But I believe, and you need to settle that today. The second question is Are you a follower of Jesus? Are you seriously following Jesus? To put it in a popular way, are you just a fan of Jesus? My hope today is to challenge you, those of us who may be in the room and, and not yet believed, that today you would make that or take that step. But I think for a lot of us, we already believe, but I don't know that following Jesus is really 
at the center of our lives. I don't know that we would, if we were honest, say, I'm not just a believer, I'm a follower of Jesus. And that, my friends, as we'll find out next week, will affect the way we live. So in just a minute, they're going to sing a song, an old song. I used to sing this growing up. But I want to I ask you to, to keep those questions in your mind, and whichever one is for you, settle those questions. Put Jesus, putting Jesus at the center of our lives requires that we believe in who he is and what he's done, and that we actually take up our cross, put aside our selfish ambition, and follow him. That's my prayer for you. Lord, uh, your gospel is good news. It, it is not uh, faith and works. It's faith that produces works. So let's get that straight. Nothing is Jesus plus anything equals salvation. It is, it is you, and we believe. But many of us need to take that next step and become a follower of you. And I just pray that for all of us and, and whoever we are, that we would decide today to believe and that we would decide today to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. for listening to Hope's weekend message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.